welcome to the Now There's a Thought podcast. Today, a podcast host, a pastor, and a biophysicist walk into a bar to talk about discovery, innovation, and God. As usual, it's not actually a bar. We are on tour again, and Believing Science have lent us their office, otherwise known as Gavin's living room. So, let's get down to business and actually talk to Gavin before this just becomes very rude. Welcome to the Now There's a Thought pop-up bar. I'm afraid you'll have to buy your own drink. Welcome to the Now There's a Thought bar. My name is Louise. I'll be hosting the podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Andy Wadhams, pastor of Gallery Church in Birmingham. Oh, it's a joy to be here. And uh, here we are, on tour again. On tour in Manchester. Woohoo! Visiting our guest, whose guest we are, that's all... It's a bit he's, meta. Yeah, he's our guest, but... We're his guest. I, I don't know how to process it. It's this. the inception of podcasts. Podcastception. <laughs> Joining us for podcastception is Dr. Gavin Merrifield. Welcome, Gavin. Hello. Ooh. Thank you for having me. The doctor in the house. Yes. Come on now. Although we're um, probably not going to talk about any rashes or anything like that. No, different kind of doctor. Yeah. Mm. Hello, Gavin. Hello. Hello. And Gavin wins T-shirt of the day. Gavin wins T-shirt of the day. This is uh, a cat <laughs> In a box labelled Schrodinger's cat, the cat is telling us that he is alive. Come on now. And when it goes dark, it's, he's dead. <gasps> Even better. Goes in the dark. Fantastic. Sorry, it's, um, sorry, mind blown. Sorry, listener. <laughs> uh, the t-shirt changes message. It does. It, it does. So in the dark, it glows with a different message. It does. It's quantum mechanics brought to life. <laughs> By medium of glow in the dark t-shirt, yeah. what better medium? He bought me. Just, just got yeah. Just got me to. I was about to say exactly what it was, like you did, but um, you beat me to it. Quantum mechanics brought to life. The fortunate thing is, in the dark, my eyes are usually closed, so I don't see it. So Schrodinger, it lives on. It just lives. On. Lives on forever. Yeah. Good news, everyone. Which is good for cats. <laughs> it's good yeah. for cats. And don't put your cat in a box and seal it. Don't don't do that. We'll report you to the RSPCA. Um, Gavin, I've billed you as a biophysicist in the title of this podcast, but you would potentially like to elaborate on that title, I hear. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a physicist who has studied, well, researched biology and biomedicine rather than maybe being a biophysicist myself. So it's physics involved in biology. Yes, so uh, through magnetic resonance imaging. Uh, so I used to use a, what's called a high field MRI scanner and I used to basically put whatever I could inside it and scan it. So you can see what creatures' brains are doing. Exactly. And their hearts was a specialty hearts. as well. Gets you right here. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh, Gavin then put his hand to his heart in a lovely emotional moment there. Uh, listener, I'm with you. This is astonishing. Isn't it just? What, sorry, Sorry, sir. What have you been doing? That sounds amazing. <laughs> wow. More of that later. More of that later. Okay. Wow. We, oh. Yes, we will talk a little bit more about that in detail. But of course, we need to do some quick fire questions. Yes, we okay. want to get to know Gavin. We All do. All right. So let's start with Gavin. What's your name and where do you come from? Uh, my name's Gavin Merrifield and I come from this room that we're in. <laughs> Although originally I'm from Devon, but I've just discovered recently I've got Cornwallian ancestry. So I'm, I'm trying to cope with that at the moment. Oh, identity crisis in the <laughs> <Exactly>. making. <laughs> All right, let's try something, try something a little less controversial. What's your go-to shoe colour? Black. Black. Classic. Mm. Uh, who's your favourite Disney princess? Belle. Decisive. Uh, mm. Can you do a handstand? Not anymore. 
Oh, but there was once a time. There was once a time. I passed that on to my daughter now. Excellent. The mantle has been back. <laughs> yes. There's only one person per family who's got the job of handstands. Absolutely right. Do, yes. do you need more than one person? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Uh, what are your thoughts on artificial plants? Oh, wow. I'm having new thoughts that I have not considered before. Um, <laughs> why not? Why not? Great. Wow. Um, and what is your favourite type of pasty? Mm. Pasty. Pasty. That's a good pasty. shout, actually, isn't it? I have to say I'm not a pasty fan. <gasps> Sorry... Sorry, you did say earlier you you hail from Devon. Yeah, yeah. But not a pasty head. No, no, I'm definitely a pork pie head though. Pork pie. Well, you're, that well, you're right to have moved moved up the country, I think. Exactly. That makes sense. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Where's Melton Mowbray, is it? Yeah. Is that pork pie? And we yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So we share the Pennines. Journey a journey guided by pastry goods. <laughs> yes. Well, I overshot because I was in Scotland for ten years and okay. then it was all right. kind of batter. Yes. <laughs> battered yeah, pork pie, it. please. Oh, I hadn't tried that. That would be I'd, good. I'd never gone to trying a battered Mars bar. Oh. And friends of mine swore by an annual pizza crunch. I just couldn't bring myself <laughs> to do it. It's, it's a weird experience. Somewhere in Glasgow must do battered pork pie. Have you had a battered Mars bar? Not a battered Mars bar, no. But um, in, in Naples, they actually fry their own pizza. They invented pizza and then they thought, you know what we're going to do with this? We're going to put it in a fryer. We're going to scots it up. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's tremendous. Gosh, wow. Very. Food. The, the journey of food. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. That is the quickfire question. I feel like we know you. I, I feel, feel like, like we, we know, know him. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still, I'm still struggling. Hang on. You, so from Devon with some Cornish, no? Ancestry. Ancestry, yep. which is you are working through. Working through with the help. trauma of it. The trauma of it. But no pasty love. Whatsoever. No, no, I think it's because they put onions in them. Oh, I just know from you. The devil's plums, not for me. Onions, the devil's <laughs> plums. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that I'm saying. <laughs> that's that's going to be uh, the new podcast title. That's... It should be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. just don't want Saint Peter saying to me at the gates of heaven, "What did you eat?" <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, your name's down, but actually having having smelt this onion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Ah oh, dear. So um, just in case my carefully calibrated questions weren't quite enough, we should probably talk a little bit about yeah. who you are, what you're doing here, what how, how it is that you are interesting to interview, which you are. <laughs> uh, Thank you. So you and I met at Norwich Science Festival back in February. We did. So at time of recording, I've known you for three months. A wonderful three months it has been. A true blessing. I've known you for three hours. It's all the threes. All the three. Mm. I mean, I didn't need to come in there, but I'm so insecure. I hadn't said anything for a while. Okay. At well, least a minute. It's very welcome. Yeah, okay. Right. It's, it's, it's a bit weird the other way around, because I listen to the podcast, so I feel I've known <laughs> so you for a lot longer. Oh, and, and, and Edith as well. He, oh, the mighty Edith. The mighty Edith. Um, also, though, you, you met Louise. Is this... We, you guys have got... You met in Norwich. We met in met Norwich. Norwich. At Norwich Science Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the... Is there something about recognising voices oh, here? Oh, there was. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. So this is the, our first time of interviewing a listener, I think. Come on now. This is great. <laughs> it's really nice. This is this is good. And also, yeah, Gavin's been saying stuff back to us from the shows. I know. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Let's not so, let the fame go to our heads. Well, talking to going to heads, would you say, Louise, true or false, that you are voice famous now? Well, 
I, at least one person has recognised me by my voice. <laughs> yeah, it was I, a- I was over on my stands, and then I could hear this voice to my left. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that sounds familiar from somewhere. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked over, and there was this lady exposing her brains to everyone. And- <laughs> exposing my brains. I thought, that's not how I imagined the voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's literally what I was doing. We had uh, hats with the parts of the brain on them, so I would <laughs> literally have my brain exposed. Well, I wasn't um, quite expecting that, really. No. That, is hilarious. <laughs> that is the best turn of phrase I've heard in a long time. But yeah, it was a lovely experience to be like, oh yeah, we're getting out there and people, other than our friends who listen out of goodwill, are yeah. listening and enjoying. Yeah, it's true. Um, and uh, actually, Gavin's asked me to raise this and the listeners have. You've changed since you've been become voice famous, really. Oh no. You know, you, you used to be ever so kind of humble and now I don't know what's going on. Gavin's had to get a new coffee machine <laughs> and your arrival today. Because it's come on your rider. It's, yeah, that was on my rider. I, I need need coffee or will not function. <laughs> voice famous. Voice famous. Yeah, but well, Edith is voice famous as well. Imagine yeah. if that was... You were you were at a standing and you heard Edith, the made-up lady. I would look around and I was like, not at all what I imagined. <laughs> not taller and masculine. Yes. <laughs> not as much facial hair. No. <laughs> oh, good times. Edith, Edith, the bearded lady. So you um, met in Norwich. What are you two doing in Norwich? Is this part of that... Um, so, yeah, this is the science festival that we talked about also with Steph. Yes, 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 yes. So there was a good old group of us there, including Matt and Davinda from the Faith Experiment, who have mm. also been on the podcast. Okay. And Kara, who has also been on the podcast. I'm finding there's a community out yeah. there, right? Yeah, there's a community of mm. people. And we spoke to Sarah, didn't we, um, recently? And yes. she was saying, she was saying that it's a small world. It and is. I don't think that's true. I think it's a well-linked up world. I think that's yeah. good. It, it's a small, well-linked-up world. Um, mm. We we meet up uh, online every couple of weeks, actually. Is that uh, right? In a, yeah, in a group yeah. called Cake. Okay, and okay, so that is brilliant. All, all spelt in capitals. Have your cake and meet it. Exactly. Mm. And what do you discussing? Hang on, what does cake stand for? Well, well, I, I made the the group kind of like guess for a few months. <laughs> okay, is this while, yours? While I, while I came up with uh, what actually it stood for. <laughs> Because I just thought uh, cake at 11 on a Friday so if or Thursday. So if they're listening to this, you've shown what was going on behind the curtain here. Yeah, yeah. They, they know what cake stands for now. <laughs> okay. But we can't know well, unless you can, you're in the group. You can know. We can know. We can know. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it says exactly what we do. It's Christians Augmenting Knowledge Exchange. <laughs> that sounds incredibly intelligent, but you, you made it because it says cake, didn't it you? It says cake. You yeah. made it because it yeah. says cake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we, we send around like a prayer, kind of like news as well in between, and that's the cake digest. Oh, oh beautiful. Yeah. Good. This guy works in comms, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> Augmenting. Yeah, so it's a, it's a good little group, and we just kind of chat every couple of weeks about how we're doing, what that's projects good. are coming up, what we can pray for each other for. And just... Well, that's really good. Nice community and support um, in a really selfish way. If has our podcast been mentioned on there and people it, and was it favourable the chat or, or not? <laughs> don't me, oh, don't think. steer clear of <laughs> live review. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, sh- yeah. I'm sure it's been mentioned. Okay, all right. Hopefully positive. Right, we should probably invite you guys to join it. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Well, extra, I mean, extra meetings. Love cake. First <laughs> meetings cake on Thursday. <laughs> Very good. So, in the time. In the pre-Norwich Gavin timeline, because that that did exist, right? Yes, yeah, I yeah. didn't spontaneously appear. Yeah. <laughs> was that Quantum Leap? Was it that show where you oh just boy, yes. you just appeared in a place in a yeah, point in time? Someone else's body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you uh, 
are on several committees. So you run Believing Science. Okay. And you are General Secretary of Christians in Science. Mm-hmm. And just a general all-round delightful human being, obviously. Um, so it's very evident from this that you like science. Mm. Yep. And you like Christianity. These are these are things for you. Yeah, they seem to be. Cool. Uh, <laughs> So let's talk. Let's talk about those. Firstly, why are you a Christian? How did that happen? I love that. If you don't know, you won't see the show notes here, listener. But there's a brilliantly phrased. Uh, Louise has put one in one after the other for Gavin. It just says, so "You're a Christian. How did that happen? You're a scientist. How did that happen? It's just brilliantly framed." It's so the one first of the question, innovative questions. Yeah, <laughs> but I suppose. I'm waiting to hear. Yeah, first, yeah. first question. Yeah, so um, well, my parents are both Christians, and my dad was an itinerant preacher in Devon oh. before he became a church minister. Um, yeah. So I grew up in a kind of Christian environment, and yeah. a bit of it stuck, and a bit of it you fought through for yourself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just I gave my life to Jesus when I was quite young, but yeah. always growing, always changing, always thinking. Um, and Christianity is as well as the kind of like emotional, real aspects where it's one of the most intellectually stimulating things I've come across. Oh. So lots to dig at, explore. Yeah. And that runs over into the science? It does, it does. So it's fair to say I've changed my views on science and Christianity issues quite a lot since mm. I was younger. Right. Um, but I feel they're more thought through now, probably more stable on, on the whole, but I love exploring the details and the new ideas. Yeah, this sounds meaty. This sounds really Opinions good. have changed. That's this really is always cool. interesting. We like that. Yeah. So, how did you get into science? And then, then we'll talk about these changes because I'm, I'm really intrigued. Let's go there. I'm piqued by it. You're piqued yeah. by it. Yeah. This is good. I think I got into science in the same way I got into Christianity. It kind of you kind of grew into it, and it it stuck. And I grew up on farms in Devon, dark skies, animals, and wildlife everywhere. So you're just watching it. Just became interested. And kind of started reading more. Gas is really interesting. And then you kind of almost drifted into it at university as well, yeah. without really thinking, what do I want to do with my life? It was just really fascinating. You just kept learning. Just kept learning. Just kept learning. Yeah. That's good, so isn't nice it? and refreshing. That so, is, isn't it? Yeah. At some point, I had to choose between physics and biology during my A levels. Yeah. Oh, no. And I was, I was interested in both and was good at both. But I went down the physics route. And mm. then reintegrated biology later nice, on. Nice to come full Sneaky. circle to biology. Sneaky. And realise how much I hadn't actually learned and how much I didn't know about biology. So. Yes. Ah. Is there, I mean, I could be wrong here. Forgive me, the listener as well, but um, isn't there a bit of a hierarchy? I remember at secondary school there certainly oh. was for the teachers and some of the physics teachers insisted on being called doctor and things like that. Well, if the biology that- teachers had PhDs, they could have been called doctor too. <laughs> but then we get into the whole question of, yeah. is biology really a science? I mean, like, as a physicist, I would have said no. Right, 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 right. But now, okay. now I've been sullied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, I'm not, I'm not touching on something that doesn't exist here. This definitely exists, the kind of between the disciplines. It is. It is, is it? yeah. Oh, cool. Blind. We, should, we should put a feature in. We should, know. We really. should put some sort of feature in there. A, a, a score table. Yes. We can, I don't know how we're going to do it. I'd like to say it's not seriously no. thought of like that, but it probably is. Is yeah. it? Oh. There's definitely a, a reverse pecking order to that, that physics, biology, chemistry hierarchy Yeah. Um, when you get to kind of the medics in, in just a sense of fashion. 
Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> I, I was working in a, in a kind of medical research area for yeah. like four years before I went back to a physics department. Yeah. And I felt overdressed and I was in like jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> and the yeah. people, people I normally worked with when they weren't in scrubs with me in the scanner room, like they would be in like suits and shirts yeah, and okay, ties okay. and That's just cool. as they're casuals. <laughs> Different strengths. That's Amazing. Fun. So you're very interested in kind of both and they're both... A sen- there's both a sense of exploration in both of those for you I've said the word both too much it's gone bad um, but we know what I'm saying I hope but it's this overlap all these organisations that you're part of Believing Science Christians in Science what made you so interested in that overlap that you wanted to uh, put yourself on a, a ton of committees and uh, launch an organisation mm. I think I've always been very passionate about public engagement for science um, and more and more as my own career developed, I was seeing that in the church, we have a real problem with science sometimes. Sure. And even for people who don't have a problem with science, because we don't talk about science in churches, uh, we don't enjoy it. We don't experience mm. it. We don't talk about the new developments, which are exciting and fascinating and mind-blowing about God's creation. Yeah. So yeah. that the kind of tension about it kind of stops us, even those of us who are like, very interested in science, very supportive from really getting the full excitement from it okay. and at the same time I was reading more history about science and Christianity and it's like back in Victorian times you used to learn yeah. about science at church yeah. Yeah. the latest developments were talked about in in the science uh, well sorry the latest developments were talked about in sermons in churches wow and the, the man on the street probably knew more about the latest science than we do today and I thought how have we lost that in the church? Mm. Um, and then I was, I was going to things like Spring Harvest for Christians in Science and being on their stand at that. And we used to have little hands-on science experiments to do. And that would draw people in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would just be a great conversation opener. Mm. And it made me really think, now, oh, for science, you've got to do it. Yeah. You've got to experience it. So how can we do that in the church? And what organisations are involved with bringing the two together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've been involved with a number of organisations and still am. But my own one believe in science is trying to approach it from that kind of hands-on experience side of things a bit more, which I think has been lacking so far. Um, that's something we need to reclaim in the church. I love that so much. That's great. Yeah. I've got um, I've got a few questions. When I started to read the show notes, I was like, oh, because I maybe will unpack this later. I'm looking across at Louise. But um, <clears throat> there's cert- certainly like a sense of fear hmm. in the church about the latest innovations. But that certainly isn't the history of church and science, like you've just alluded to. Seen, in fact, there's there's a, a bravery and exploration and an open-mindedness of possibilities mm. from the church and discovery. Yeah. But we seem to have lost that, and um, it'd be good to touch on that. Maybe now or later? Yeah, maybe, maybe later, because I wanted to go back to uh, okay. the journey that you've been on, and you were saying how you, some of your views have evolved on how science and faith fit together. Mm. So maybe that is a nice springboard to that yeah so let's go there <laughs> um yeah where did where did you start and how did that change and why oh when i was very young i just kind of was, I, I didn't see any problem with science and christianity being together Great. i read science books went to sunday school no problems mm-hmm. um, but then when i was a teenager i got told that you couldn't believe in evolution and be a christian you couldn't believe in the big bang and be a christian where did that, who told you that that was a young earth creationist organization and they were absolutely adamant about so it. So they were under the Christian banner? They are under a Christian banner at a Christian festival that Whoa. we went to. Um, and that was when I kind of 
started to think about it and I hadn't yeah. really thought there was a problem before and then I was told there was this big problem they gave me lots of stuff to read about it obviously thinking bright kid here mm. go away and read this but bright kid had no experience really with gauging what was good science what was good theology yeah had no Gosh, way yeah. of connecting with anything else so I mm. went all the way up into university thinking evolution by and big bang bad um, really yeah then I got to university and I had lecturers who were Christians who didn't seem to have a problem with it. Mentioned millions of years just offhand in their lectures, and so that I sat would there blown your mind. Yeah, I sat there thinking, "Well, what are they doing?" Like, but I was quite a shy kid, so I never had the courage to kind right, of right. go up to them and talk to them about it. Was um, that? But did you explore that in your own? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was around the time that intelligent design was on trial in America. Okay. And I thought, well, this is it. You know, like this will be shown to be a real thing and they'll have to admit it and yeah. they'll be like, yeah, evolution's not all it's cracked up to be. And then they didn't admit it. And so I read the judge's report on it and what he thought about it and I thought, oh, that makes sense. Mm. So that got me thinking and I was like, then I thought, well, you know, if evolution is true, and yeah. that, suspend the Christianity for a moment, if yeah, it's yeah. true, what's the evidence behind it? And I realised I had never actually looked at the evidence for evolution wow. or the Big Bang yeah. seriously. Mm. Um, and so Gosh. I did, and it, it made a lot of sense. So I thought, well, that's making sense, and I think Christianity makes sense as well. Mm. How do you bring the two together? So then, thankfully, the internet was around by then, yeah, okay. and I was able to start <laughs> making contact with people who recommended books, and I started read, read them and realised there was this whole other kind of way of thinking about science and Christianity. And in fact, that kind of young earth viewpoint mm. had only become popular in the last kind of like 30 years or so. Yeah. Wow, wow, Which wow. is a problem now that we've raised two or three generations of church leaders on that viewpoint. Yeah, really. Um, yeah. It's become really entrenched. Yeah, yeah it really has. So the, some of those books that helped you, perhaps you could mention them just in case people are listening going, oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah so I definitely recommend Ernest Lucas' uh, Can We Believe in Genesis Today? I think that's what it's called. I'll, I'll send a list to Louise. Yeah, we'll the put them notes. in the show notes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tremper Longman's How to Read Genesis. It's not just about the first few chapters of Genesis, but the whole book as a whole. Oh, helpful. Um, yeah. So I've, I've just found it really helpful to read about how to read the Old Testament, especially Genesis and the Pentateuch and things like that. Yeah. So that that's really giving me the kind of theological space to think these kinds of things through. Um, there, there are a few others. I'll, I'll send yeah, you a list. That's great. Thank you. Oh it sounded gosh. like you had a question. I did. <laughs> 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 what were we talking about? Um, no, yeah. It was just in response to the great stuff you were saying, really. Um, was it quite liberating then? Yeah. Um, and ha were you harbouring attention before? I think, really, the worry is, <clears throat> the worry is, I think the question was, I remember now, why didn't you investigate further before university, obviously clearly being bright, and was it the idea that you've just accepted something from a spiritual authority, and so that must be right and that must be God's view? Yeah, I think that, that's a large part of it. Is it. But then also having access to the materials. I was still a, little, a, a teenager in rural England right, without right, right, regular yeah. access to anything else. And I was in that yeah. church mould. That, that was what people thought when they yeah. thought anything about science and faith. But it was a, a real tension that I found in, in university. Oh, wow. Um, so I was liberated is the word I would use, yeah. actually. Uh, because afterwards, you know, we're no longer it was defensive or aggressive. Yeah, mm -hmm. you could actually enjoy science, and like you could come across a new discovery in the news, and you'd be like, "Wow, that's amazing! Praise yes. God!" Yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. kind of, "Oh, how does that fit in?" Or oh, that doesn't quite match, you know. And mm. 
and certainly like since those those days we've like human genetics looking at kind of past species of humans and how that's just incredibly opened up how we think about where we've come from mm. if i'd been hit with that at the time i wouldn't have known what to do with it at yeah. all and, well it's amazing that right. those professors were in your life yeah and um, i mean even they dropped some stuff but it was evidence for you that's clearly they were holding the two yeah quite comfortably yeah. Rather than intention or at well, war. I, I look back at it and it's like it was in my face since I was a kid. Like the, uh, the admissions tutor at Exeter Uni where I went and did my undergrad uh, used to lead my dad's house group. Oh, wow. wow. In, in the village we were in there. Um, and then like a, another professor said something at the back of a talk on science and faith. Mm. And I thought I really need to chat to that guy at some point. But yeah. I didn't go and speak to him. Yeah, yeah. And then four years later when I started doing stuff with Christians and Science, he was the chair of Christians and Science. So it's like, you know, like it's like there, it's there. It's like speak to these people, but I didn't. <laughs> so good, shy. And mm. now you're the person you're out and about with believing science. Yeah. yeah, I'm that person now to speak to. Yeah, amazing. So, what kinds of things you talked about doing practicals with believing science? Where do you go? Are you churches or? Yeah, so believing science are our main products, if you would call it at the moment, is what we call wonder days, mm-hmm. where we uh, work with a church. And we turn the church into a, a kind of community science event with drop-in science activities. We bring in planetariums, science shows, workshops, and we just make the, the church a hub for kind of like giving a kind of a experience of science to the community yeah. around them. So there's, there's no heavy evangelism. Yeah. There's no big talk on science and faith. But we get hundreds of people coming to these things each time. Mm. And they go to a church to learn about science. And that's the message they take away. Big, yeah. And then meanwhile, for the church hosting it, all the people in the church get involved. Mm. People Mm. setting up refreshments, people helping to set up and take down for the day. People man the kind of like hands-on activities who've probably never done any science like that themselves since school. They get involved, they get stuck in, they learn a bit of science. They start talking about science and faith and they start talking about it in a positive way. Mm. That's our main product at the moment. Um, Working on a couple of other things at the moment which probably by the time this podcast goes out i'm hoping to have a couple of them on the go as well is it so, uh, is it a debut album on the saxophone not from me maybe not from, from you maybe from my wife oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. She, she's the musician here so <laughs> fantastic so are you allowed to tell us a little bit about those uh, projects mm. oh I'll tell, I'll, just a brief mm, overview mm, a little the, bit uh, your paramount allow you to do this yeah. <laughs> well just a state for the record <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> No, no, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's more kind of like finding time to get them fully developed and apply sure. for grants for them. Yeah, okay. But I'm hoping to set up a kind of network for astronomers in congregations. Nice. Um, so amateur astronomy is big. Everyone loves it. There's yeah. lots of interesting ways now to get people involved in this. And I'd love to see, not to replace local astronomical societies that are already there. Yeah but to provide a kind of place for Christians who are amateur astronomers to get together, to have a network together to support one another. It's a bit like cake, but for, yes, for astronomers. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I've said it now. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got some thoughts for like some Christian festivals as well, launching yeah. balloons to the edge of space and things like that. And Amazing. Not tying heretical preachers to them or anything. But uh, ideally, no. no. <laughs> uh, there was a guy who tied his um, mother-in-law Went to balloon search. Yeah, did you see that? No, I did not. It was like up the the, the oh, Disney yeah, picks yeah, off, yeah. but he put him on his mother-in-law's chair, oh, and gosh. she 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 got taken into the sky. Oh, no, yeah, oh, tremendous oh, news article. I was thinking of something more like a, a Lego minifigure or something. <laughs> oh right, yes, not someone I didn't like. Yeah, so we're not. Of course, we're not 
condoning for, any for the such record, things. I love my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful person. <laughs> Excellent. It's time for a game. Today we're playing Is It Science? Gavin, you will argue that these items are science. You will have 30 seconds for each item. Andy, you will argue why these items are not science. Oh, brilliant. Okay, what are you going to say? Yeah, test tube. Uh, <laughs> yeah, scientist. Pass the core accelerator. Yeah, yeah, okay, here we go. Yeah. So, uh, are you a bit burned by the previous episode, Andy? Mm, got destroyed. It, Again. It, it was yeah. rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did manage to ask him why cowpole was not a medicine, which was a little harsh. Yeah, last time we were recording. It's a pretty, uh, yeah. I do think half the time it's a placebo with my daughter. But oh, I think oh. I use that exact word in my 30 seconds of scrambling. I do not want anyone to file any legal proceedings <laughs> if against you, us. If you as a These listener... These are personal opinions only. <laughs> I have a listener. Consult trained medical professionals. If you feel that I was outdone on that last uh, point there, now backed up by a doctor... Um, <laughs> not that kind of doctor. <laughs> yeah. But right in. Yeah, <laughs> do, do, I think, do contact us. I think in the last episode, because cowpole is now done by injection, it's not, but it's done by... Yeah. We, I, think we, I think we're the syringe. I'm going to go with... Syringe, yeah. We yeah. were talking about injecting, getting kids addicted to injecting stuff. It wasn't good. We went bad way, really. My, my daughter does call it the pink stuff. The pink stuff. There you She's are. She's only three, so... <laughs> it is the stuff of wonder, isn't it? Back to today's game. Yeah, no cowpole in this game. No. Is it science? So we're going to start with Andy, as is tradition. So I am arguing it is not. Not science. Okay, all right, here we go. Your first item. Okay. Oh, hang on a sec. What if we've got a new li- whistler? <laughs> what if we've got a new listener and they have no idea what the noise is at the end of my 30 seconds? Oh, well, the noise is at the end of your... Th- okay. Yeah, so, come on. So um, I've, I've brought with me a whistle that I lovingly whittled by hand at a hen because those are the kinds of people <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you were outside in the nightclub, weren't you? Just on the street, whittling a stick. All of us. All, yeah, of, all us. of you. Yeah, we d- you didn't need to be there. Actually, it's a waste of taxi money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I will blow my hand whittled whistle at the end of each thirty second slot. Okay. All right. Good. That's uh, fair warning. Yes. Fair warning. Okay. Andy. Here we go. Thirty seconds on why Himalayan pink salt is not science. Ooh, what, uh, what if you don't know what it is? <laughs> it, it's salt that's pink and it's from the Himalayas. Okay. Yeah. All right. God, they should make the title clearer. Himalayan pink salt. Have I, am I in? Yes, you are. Oh, crikey. I've got 15 seconds. Um, it's, <laughs> why isn't it science? Because it just exists. It's just a gift from planet Earth and it's beautiful and it's for us and it is and always has been. It didn't get developed and tested and tried. It's not science. Lovely. Okay. I think I'm in trouble here. <laughs> I spent Gavin. half of my time saying, what is it? Uh, Gavin, why is Himalayan pink salt science, please, starting now? Well, uh, Himalayan pink salt is a beautiful gift from planet Earth um, that was being given to us. And just because we didn't put it together doesn't mean it's not science. Because science is about exploration and discovery of things that are already there as well. And Himalayan pink salt is just one of those amazing things that's full of wonder and beauty, um, as well as chemistry, which, for the record, I will say is a science. Thank you. Uh, You've still got four seconds if you want them. Uh, I'm okay. (laughs) I was just thanking you for acknowledging chemistry. Uh (laughs) Yeah, great. Well done, everybody. Isn't everybody great? (laughs) Even chemists. (laughs) Even chemists. Even chemists. 
Is this this is the hierarchy again? I'm going to have to get some sort of Venn diagram. One of the people in my prayer triplet is a professor of chemistry. So, Ooh, so you can respect. So I imagine I've won that. Uh, I've given that point to Gavin. Oh, have you? Yeah. Surprise. All right. Uh, but we'll start with we'll start with Gavin this time. Give me some thinking time. Come okay. on. So Gavin now has thirty seconds on why a silver birch tree is science. Starting now. Silver birch tree is science because science is all about community and working together. And as we've been recently discovering, plants and forests form communities that talk to one another uh, through their roots, through the fungi networks embedded in the ground. So, I mean, it's the very definition of science is a silver birch tree. (laughs) Oh, it's 20 seconds. (laughs) Can I have his extra 10 seconds? (laughs) If you need it. (laughs) Just for thinking time. Fantastic. I mean, that was not the route I expected, but I enjoyed it. The route. Yeah. Mm. yeah okay, guys. This is going to be a 3 0, isn't it? I can feel it. <laughs> okay. I could throw the next one. Yeah, well, I might need it. Right. 30 seconds on why a silver birch tree is not science, please. Starting now. I normally like going second because I've got some time to think, but um, it's not really worked out. The only argument I've got really, once again, it is, it's a beautiful gift. It doesn't need to be refined or you didn't need three tests to work out whether a silver birch tree was here and fine. It was here and it was fine and it was beautiful. And uh, it's, it's, it's a gift because it's the silverest of all the trees. I will say this, before the word science was coined, we had silver birch trees. Therefore, they predate what we now know as science. It's not science i think science predates what we now know as science exactly <laughs> um yes um that's two nil so far to gavin yeah they're quite i'm gonna yeah i mean they're quite similar weren't they things of nature that are found okay. how can i argue against these all right well let's see what you think of the next one okay here we go gavin no we're starting with, with this next this is worth five isn't it this next one um, no. No? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, worth a try. Just seeing what you can rescue here now. Yeah, okay. Dign- um, dignity. I would like to know whether a patio heater is science. Starting now. <laughs> okay. The patio heater. Uh, no, it's not science. And I would never, ever put science through that kind of shame. Because <laughs> a patio heater is either freezing cold or you're cooking. Science is much better than that. It develops and grows and becomes more and more functional and better. It's brought so much good to humanity. A patio heater either cooks you or leaves you freezing cold, runs down your electricity bill and kills flies. Not good, not science. All right. Gavin, I would like uh, 30 seconds, please. A treatise on uh, (laughs) why a patio heater is indeed science starting now. Well, from my extensive knowledge of patio heaters, <laughs> uh, a patio heater is science uh, because it works by the principles of uh, electricity, magnetism, uh, thermodynamics, uh, materials science. I mean, how could it not be science? It's a product of science. Without science, there would be no patio heaters. Ergo, it is science. Uh, it's bad science because of its impact <laughs> on the environment, but it's still science. Yeah. Just just to have some spare time for a little chat here. <laughs> Lovely. I think. Good work. I mean, that was a strong final argument, Andy, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I have to give the point to Gavin. <sighs> Congratulations, Gavin. Three I'm, nil. I'm sat here with my arms folded. I will. <laughs> I will remain humble. <laughs> I'll continue to be incredibly humble. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Thank good you. Win. Congratulations. Good win. I am pleased with that last argument, even if it didn't work. It was good. Yeah. It was because we felt that pain. 
We did. Yeah. That might around. be the you first time I've ever said ergo for something. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I've used it right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you did. I think... Mm. Um, I wouldn't know. I was just impressed. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded good. It sounded good. good. <laughs> right, good. Gavin. Let's, let's, do, let's do some more exploring of your expertise. Mm, fresh off mm. the back of a 3-0 win. Yeah. Mm. So um, the internet tells me that your interests these days are in uh, discovery and innovation, which is really interesting. But you got there... Uh, after a good amount of time spent MRIing fish and spiders, which you alluded to earlier. Yes. How does that work? What? With difficulty. <laughs> um, so for, for things to be in the MRI scanner, be scanned well, you've either got to scan them very fast, uh-huh. which is difficult to do when you're talking about a, a zebrafish, and you're looking at a zebrafish heart, which is about one millimetre by one millimetre, and it's moving all the time, the heart's beating. Wow. Uh, or if you're doing a spider, which is bigger, uh, yeah. the size of a big mouse... Uh, when we chose the sorry Louise no. we chose the friendliest most loving spiders we could find oh. in the scanner uh, but on unlike vertebrates they seem to be very resistant to anaesthetics so oh. you think you've got it knocked out so you knock it out in a separate chamber you put your hand in the box of the spider oh no and and you you be brave and you pick <laughs> up the spider and you you got about three or four seconds to put it in the next chamber, strap it down and get it in the scanner before it starts moving again. Strapping down spiders. I, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't become a lab assistant. Sorry. The, the lab assistant left it to me to do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's some, how do you know if a spider's friendly? Lots well, of nice cards in its window and well, things you, like you that. You buy the more docile species for a mm, start. For a okay. start. Um, and if it's rearing up at you, putting its legs up at you, just don't now we put know. your hand in there. Gotcha. Okay. So why do we need to scan these uh, these beings? Uh, well, the spiders, just, no one had ever done them before. <laughs> why not then? Why, <laughs> why not? Yeah, that's the, great. The race to discovery. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the heart of a spider looks on an MRI scan like uh, one of the chambers of the human heart. Oh, oh interesting. So, but it originated that heart in a completely separate evolutionary line. So this kind of centralised organ, because uh, in most anthropods, like insects and arachnids, they're quite segmented mm. and they have these like mini hearts in each segment. But in the spider, oh. it's smoothed out into this one large internal heart like in ourselves. Right. So okay. from that perspective, there's, there's something interesting to look at from the evolutionary terms. And then also like no one had ever done it before. Yeah. The, the way to analyse it is already set up. Basically, you just need the images. Wow. Um, so we made the first measurements of in vivo spider heart function. Uh, so heart rate, how much blood it pumps, that kind of thing. So you were involved in the first ever... Ever. Ex- I don't know what they call it, experiments? Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking work. Frontier experiment. Yeah, okay. <laughs> which no one else has taken up in like 10 years. So. <laughs> and how do, how do you do a fish? Um... Well, like I say, the, the zebrafish heart's much smaller. Yeah. We're interested in them because if you injure a zebrafish heart, um, it regenerates itself, uh, whereas Ooh. our heart scars over. So it completely rebuilds itself. What? Um, so there's so, potential so, implications there for if you can work out how that works yeah, so for medicine. It works best when they're younger. So there are genetic levers and switches mm. that we probably share with them. But they're probably yeah. turned off in us for a good reason. Right. But if you could turn them on temporarily. Wow. So, so with a fish, when it's young, when it's an embryo, just fresh out of the egg, you just stick it under the microscope. It's tiny, but it's transparent. 
And as it gets older, like all fish, it gets scales on them, so you mm-hmm. can't see inside them. So we were trying to develop an MRI system to track the d- regeneration of the heart into the adult fish. Wow. So we had to we had to do 10 times better resolution scanning, which means like 100 times longer scanning than nice. we were doing in rats and spiders at the time. So that was a, a physics... In water? Yeah, in a physics step forward. It's got to be yeah. in flowing water as well to keep the fish healthy and oh, to let the home office my. let you do these things. Yeah. Because uh, any, anything that's uh, a vertebrate, the home office is very interested in. Okay. In um, terms of ethics. In terms of, yeah, absolutely. And like, you want the fish to be in the best condition possible as yes. well. And the, the big advantage of MRI is that you scan something once, you can come back and scan it again later. Yes. So you reduce the number of animals in an experiment um, and you get more reliable data because you're using the same yeah. group of animals all the time. So from an animal ethics perspective, it's really good. Mm. Yeah. Um, you've got to have the flowing water and flowing water in an MRI scanner is not good for the electrics if it leaks. <laughs> yeah. It's not oh. good for the imaging because it creates lots of artifacts in it. So you've got yeah. to adjust the flow rate of the water to be enough for the fish, but not too disruptive for the... And then you've got to figure out a way to keep the fish still. Um, so you've got to put anaesthetic in the fish and then you've got to figure out, right, because no one really had been doing anaesthetic for as long as we needed to. Mm. Yes. Uh, so you had to start longer and then we worked the imaging time down. So there's lots of little things we had to do. And at the end of a few years, we had a system that worked and it wasn't great. It was quite yeah beautiful in a homemade kind of way, <laughs> mm. but it worked and you could scan a fish and it would Keep recover up. and you could scan it again. Amazing. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, do Marvel know about this, the filmmakers? I'm hoping so. I'm waiting okay. for my call. No, no, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm waiting for I, I Fish Woman, the, yeah, the movie. Yeah, exactly. I, I did used to get called Spider-Man at the MRI conferences. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, an, another thing I did was um, caterpillars going and turning into butterflies. In our were, MRIs? In an MRI. So, while they're in the chrysalis, we used to scan them and, and see them transforming into the butterflies. No. Which is great nice. fun. So, there... I guess they say, stay still of their own accord. Well, they're, they're not actually still in the chrysalis. If you uh, shake it, they move. Right. Um, so, But if you just kind of put them in the scanner, you leave them hanging on the branch they were yeah. on, just be a bit gentle with them, it's fine. Is there a time lapse of this now? Or it's not a time lapse. So I've got a sequence of images. I'll, I'll send them across. Gosh, yeah. That would yes. be that would be cool. Are, are we allowed so to put those on our Instagram? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. That yeah, is so, happening. so cool. I think like, we often hear it in church circles, like as a metaphor, kind of met- metamorphosis mm. and a metaphor yeah, transformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all people say, oh, you know, uh, the caterpillar disproves evolution because it turns into this soup and then a butterfly comes out of it. Right, yeah. And I yeah. like, well, it doesn't turn into a soup. And the, the kind of genetic code to do all this is already in the caterpillar. Yes. So it's like a second program underlining the DNA that activates when it turns into the butterfly. And we were looking at it and afterwards we realised we'd been scanning male and female ones. Because ah. it's, it's hard to get yeah. which sex a caterpillar is just by looking at it. Mm. Um, Don't you just wait till it goes to the toilet and see which one it goes in? <laughs> Well, we just kept them in a tank. Oh, fair we enough. We didn't provide all the facilities. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. So you, you, you just see, one, one of the things where we noticed was uh, we looked back at the images once we knew which were male and which were female. And I was like, the, the, the stomach seems to now be full of eggs. Oh. Ah. And I was like, That's really odd cool and then i'm like me i'm looking up trying to find someone who knows anything about butterfly development and anatomy and we managed to find a reference in like a 19th century book somewhere <laughs> saying that the gut turns into the egg egg uh, sac for the female and it's like well there it is like happening wow. in front of our eyes and that's outstanding it was, like, amazing do you know this is the second podcast we've had caterpillar reference is it oh yes it mm-hmm. is and the other one i don't want you to feel threatened <laughs> but the other one was Eric Carl's The Hungry Caterpillar. 
Uh, that's a favourite in this household. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's a pretty big piece I of work as well. recite it now if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> recite it. Excellent. I, I might be a copyright infringement, probably don't. God, mind blown. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, gosh. So, so you were doing all this discovery and innovation for yourself. Is that what led you to kind of look at responses to discovery and innovation? Yeah, I think I, I like new ideas. Mm. Yeah. Um, and as I said before, like the church isn't really engaging with science and is afraid of it almost. Yeah. Mm. Um, we're now in a, an era of AI. Uh, yeah. We're always hearing about chat, GPD, things like that. And mm-hmm. we're, we're now in an era in astronomy where we're routinely scanning the night sky like a couple of times a night with increasingly powerful telescopes. We've got James Webb up there characterizing mm. the atmospheres of exoplanets. And it's like, if there are any form of extraterrestrial life, intelligent or otherwise, we're probably going to find that within our lifetimes. Um, yeah, what so, and are we talking about that in the church? There are some theologians writing about it, yeah. but we're not talking about it in the church yet. So things like that. And then mm. the multiverse, which was mentioned one of your podcasts like we're not really was, talking yeah. about that yeah. either yeah. multiverse is a slippery term because like it can mean that or it can mean that yeah sure sure and we're not really very clear exactly a bunch of films exactly. yeah. which multiverse you're in <laughs> yeah gosh yeah. that's really good and as a church leader i'm thinking gosh yeah we need to talk about these things really yeah. but it's very hard yeah. to know what to say about them because I suppose that's where people like you are, are really useful because you have the faith. And I'm, I wouldn't put myself in the camp of fearful of innovation, but more, well, I wouldn't know what to say. Some stuff points to God's glory, yeah, yeah. some stuff, you know, and I wouldn't rule anything out as a church leader. But also I, I wouldn't feel I could explain what it definitely means, you know. Yeah. It, it's it's tough to know when to do that as well. Because yeah. do you put on a, an evening event about it? Well, we hosted uh, Riding Lights, a yeah. play on AI recently at our church. That was really good. But if we've not really followed that up, or yeah. do you run a course on science and faith, or do you put it in your sermon? Because mm. uh, there's so many other things you need to be talking about in your, your Sunday morning sermon. Yeah, that yeah, is the yeah. only time a, a church leader has these captive audience. So, But if you can be brave enough to put a, you know an established science reference in to a yeah. sermon, I think that's that helps people understand yeah. this might be a place where we're not fearful of it. Where do you think this fear has come, come from, really? Is it, I mean, is it... The, the church's reaction to Dar- Darwin, um, is it that far back? Is it before then? Um, this whole kind of thing that new is scary. Well, at the time of Darwin, there were, Darwin's biggest detractors were the scientists who said you don't have enough evidence. Right, for okay. And his yeah. biggest supporters were amongst the theologians and the church leaders oh. at the time going, wow, this is a great idea. So <laughs> so there was a pr- in the church community at that, at that time, there was a proven embracing of... Mm. discovery yeah that, i think there's always been some like for the example of darwin there's always been some skepticism from the church on it yeah but that sure. really took off in the kind of like 80s in the uk okay um, 1980s was, Ni- yeah. 1980s yeah good yeah. to clarify and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and there's, there's lots of books now charting the history of this in like the 1940s 50s 60s mm. in america and why it emerged yeah for sociological reasons in the, that time in that place mm. But then with the advent of Sky Sky Satellite TV, things like that, mm. the internet, that theolo- theology has been exported right. from America largely into the UK, Europe and Australia, places like that. And it's now got this foothold in the church. Mm. And because we've not wanted to confront it, yeah. we haven't been teaching about how to talk about science. And at the same time, with that, we haven't really been teaching how to think about the Bible and theology in ways that aren't black and white and simplistic. And black and white and simplistic is great for getting your message out, and sometimes you need that. Mm. But 
faith is dynamic and always changing and it is really black and white yeah that's right and we're yeah. not good at talking about that in the churches very good All right, so i think i think alongside that we've, we've had kind of like textual criticism and things like that yes we've got a massive understanding now of the ancient near eastern world which we didn't have a hundred years ago yeah so yeah. to read read like the old testament in that context now we don't do that as much mm. as we should do in churches yeah gosh that's very good and how do you feel about that as a you know science and christian science as a scientist and a christian you know is it heartbreak for you or is it something that yeah. drives you forward yeah i feel we're missing out right like i could say those of us who are exceptional science we're missing out mm. um, but everyone is missing out on that richer theology as well and that Good. richer understanding yeah. of scripture um it's 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 sad and well, the work that i do with christians in science with believe in science like i say it's 90 percent remedial yeah um, where i want it to be 90 percent what yeah. about yeah. Um, and talking about new issues and getting people interested in science and uh, so David Wilkinson at Durham University often talked about like um, if you're in the church you're encouraged to be a medic but you're not encouraged to be a scientist right. like, me medicine seems to be a Christian mm. vocation but science is not Okay. and I'd like science to be encouraged to be a Christian vocation as well yeah, especially as it's so involved in medicine as well well, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, just that, that, that's the, the change I'd like to see in the church. It's the church embracing and encouraging science and supporting science. So one of the other things I want to do with Believe in Science is to try and get churches to support their local schools mm. by buying them science equipment. The school budgets are so overstretched. Sure. If a, if a decent bit of kit that's really revolutionary to show a, a science idea breaks, mm. most of their money is going on photocopying or stationery. Yeah, yeah, mm. And they can't afford to replace it. But for a few hundred quid, a church can step in. And be yeah. like, we want to bless you with that. That's um, good. That will have That's a massive nice legacy. Idea. With psalms printed at the bottom of the conical flask, yeah. When you turn it over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you could do, but I'd also like to see it as low. We don't even That's have just an, a we, gift. Yeah, we don't yeah. have an yeah. agenda. It's just, you need it. We want to help you. And we think this is something worthwhile to help. Yeah. yeah. And still has that message that this is coming from Christians and it's for science. Yeah. So, so Science Week this week, we had... Um, we had... Uh, some schools coming down to our church because uh, we, we ran like a mini wander day in the afternoon just a free-for-all which was almost as popular as our full-day planned events mm. but before that we thought we've got everything here so we invited two schools in we invited some great. church youth groups in in really the evening good. and those teachers have all been in touch to say that was great oh good and like, it's given them a, a lot to think about and can you come back and do some more with us amazing amazing i really uh, i I, um, I really want to go to the back to the question history of faith and science i feel you've got something to say about that <laughs> really and um so really you want to return to a time where you know the discovery is a spiritual activity yeah and there's not yeah. a fear around it and stuff and there, if someone say return to a time like could you reference times in i don't know last two thousand years and maybe even beyond where you know church has been at the forefront or involved or championed you know discovery I think on the whole, church has been at the forefront of discovery for most of mm. the last 2,000 years. And yeah. that's partly because church was the authority of the time and had the resources and the ability to do that. So clergy, mm. like in Victorian England, had time to go around cataloguing butterflies and thinking about things. Hmm. Uh, but you think like uh, the Big Bang Theory, right? it's George Lamartre, a Roman Catholic priest. It was, right. it was his idea. And at the time, people went, oh, not sure about that because that's sneaking religion in. And he said, no, 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 I don't. Oh, that's not what I'm trying to do. That's just what the evidence is. Goodness yeah. me. So many people would see that as a reason not for God. Yeah. The Big Bang Theory. Without properly well, unpacking it, you know. Yeah. Because um, at the time it was like a, a steady state was the idea. Big yeah, Bang yeah, implied yeah. an origin. 
So and, and that, the Bible yeah. says there's an origin. So people didn't want to accept the Big Bang because it would have religious implications. Oh, Even I though Lamartre himself was like, I don't really think we should be thinking about that. We should just look at the evidence. No, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was um, a steady state proponent. I think it was Fred Hoyle who said, oh, the Big Bang theory in kind of mocking it. And then yeah. the name stuck. Mm. Did you interesting, know isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but you, you've, got, you've got Lamartre, you've got Michael Faraday at the forefront, James yeah. Clark Maxwell, forefront of everything, electricity and electrodynamics now that our society runs off. Mm. And that's, so you've got big names up there. And these weren't people who were believers just because that's what people did at the time. Yeah, they yeah. were passionate believers themselves and wrote on religion, preached, teached. Mm. Um, so I, I'd like to see that again. That's great. I love that. Um, I love the passion as well. Yeah. And what kinds of discoveries do you find yourself looking at now? What's what's? I mean, mm. we are recording this in May and releasing it in September, so it will be a few months out of mm. date. Um, <laughs> what could have happened? <laughs> what could have happened in that time? Seven prime ministers. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Seventy treasurers. Yeah. Um, but what kinds of, uh, yeah, what kinds of discoveries and innovations do you find yourself looking at at the moment that catch your eye and you think mm, mm. i wonder how people will react to this and how should we react mm. to this i think mm. right at the moment the big one is uh, kind of generative ai tools like chat gpd because yeah. yeah. they're taking over things they're yeah. not reliable they're not great they make up stuff yeah um i was reading this morning an example of a guy who's published 97 books in the last three months <laughs> They're, they're oh, really, I wonder they're, how that might be possible. Yes, they're, they're, they're really short books, like only a few thousand words each. They're not really books either, like fanfic. Yeah. But he's just done it with an AI and he's not really done anything to it. And remarkably, they're not selling. But he's produced, he's produced this volume of oh my goodness. words that is now going to feed back into these models. Oh, So it's going to be a kind of feedback loop. Oh, and, yes. and he's one person doing that. And it's self-perpetuating. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, of course. So that's great for his books and he's writing in sci-fi, whatever. But what if someone starts doing that in theology? Yeah. Is it like someone's like, I've written my book of sermons and published it. Yeah. And I've done a hundred sermons in the last week. Sorry, I'm just taking notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that you should. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. then that becomes like the body of theological knowledge that is then searched by search engines and by, by chatbots yeah. and AIs. And it just like... And we already have that when they're producing information, don't we? That it, they scrape disinformation from the internet without realising mm-hmm. and then perpetuate it further. Well, they scrape the disinformation, they make up information, they make yeah. up references to non-existent things. Um, but it, it has no knowledge of what it's doing. It's just an no. algorithm. Yeah. But people don't really understand that in the same way that they don't really understand what happens when you do a Google search and you look at the results of that and how yeah. those are rated mm. so my concern is that that will break out into the church and into theological cir- circles mm. and we won't be checking it as we mm. should do the, the reverse is also true in that we'll become very resistant to ever doing anything with it right um, but i would say theologically we we're always in need of reformation continually anyway so maybe hopefully this will sharpen the worry is people just pick it up mm. Um, yeah, interesting. I see yeah. it. It's a problem. Getting the history of science and faith, that's really what happened with young earth creationism was mm. people who were not experts in relevant fields yeah. picked picked up bits and bobs here and there, didn't yeah. like other things and perpetuated it. Wild. Yeah. yeah. But this would happen just at super speed compared maybe. Mm. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Interesting. So how do we avoid that? We don't replace our pastors with AI chatbots. 
Yeah. Your job you're safe. safe. You're safe. Well, just... some of them have better people skills. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That has actually been shown. <laughs> oh, but damn. there was a recent paper showing that um, a chatbot had much better bedside manner than most doctors. <laughs> which was like, it's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that say more about the AI? Or the Maybe it says the doctors are stressed and Maybe overworked. Maybe a filter tool and... would be good. Hey, so yeah. it says this is my pastoral response. Put it through yes. a tone checker. Yeah, and maybe maybe we could, people feel more loved, supported. <laughs> yeah. Then what right. do you do in real life? Because this mm. you don't get subtitles in real life. <laughs> Only in my head. No, yeah. I do. you turn up and then you just play, play yeah. it off your phone. Just talk to my listen, phone and nod along like it's coming from you. <laughs> and uh, cool. And I think that's the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh, really interesting. How do we stop that? How do we stop now? Yeah, because. The only thing I can think of, and you know, they, you'll be surprised to know they have come to me for the answers. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But I wonder if you have to put some sort of spikes in content or, yeah. you know, they're kind of like, so as you pick up content, there's something like a, what in physical world would be like a, a weight with spikes on that like jolts the system a little bit or mm. is an obvious, there must be a tech way of doing that with the information just as we're gathering all this stuff. Stuff is kind yeah. of somehow spiked or... Flagged in some way. Somehow, yeah. I don't really know. But universities and, and schools are struggling now, aren't they? Yeah. To to, yeah. to police this. Yeah, and, it's real. And the stuff that they've put in place is already out of date. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I just like to announce I'm, I'm, my PhD is coming. <laughs> <laughs> in the post. Yeah. In the post. Amazing. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've missed a trick there. What have I done? Yeah. Oh, God, imagine. Ah, so AI is there? Are there other things that AI is doing that that would feed into that conversation, or is it mostly content generation? I mean, content generation at the moment. Um, art is another area. True. Uh, at the moment, that people are talking a lot about, and both for AI that produces art, and for these uh, language models, these generative models, they work by stealing yes. everyone else's work. And if uh, they paid for the work, it would be economically unfeasible. Yes. So they just take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, right. the the rest of us plebs have to pay for paywalls and subscribe yes. to things, which is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but for for artists yeah. and journalists and things like that who rely on mm. income from these things, podcasters. Yeah. Not that we get income <laughs> from this, but you know. But we are open. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We're yeah. Open. For 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 people in those kind of areas, and even for scientists, when these things will start writing papers themselves. Sure. Yeah. There have been a couple of papers where ChatGPT has been credited as an author Oof. already. Good Lord. So it's, yeah, they're scraping these things off the internet for free, not crediting, not paying. That's a massive ethical issue as well. Um, the user at the other end doesn't realise this is happening. No. Um, and then also, a lot of the time, this isn't true AI. There are people in other countries sitting at terminals, being paid buttons for doing sure. lots of content management mm. work. And Yeah. Ah, oh, the yeah. world is so much bigger than we realise sometimes, isn't it? It's huge. When you start... Start chipping away at the surface. Mm. There's all this stuff to think about. Mm. But anyway, well, it I, says millionaires to space. So. Yeah. yeah, well, they are. So, obviously, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but if there was um, someone who didn't quite know how AI would take art and recreate it, how does that work? Um, so would it take the, the key stylistic features? Yes, yeah, so you, it would analyse an image. 
right. and kind of like see like how brush strokes work, how proportions work, lighting, mm. and it would kind of subject assi- matter. Yeah, it would assign yeah. so, like num- numerical values to different features in the image. Right. Um, and then an artist who has a particular style, those numbers would reinforce over and over time. And then you'd say at the end of it, oh, make me a picture in the style of Da Vinci. Yeah. And the computer would know what types of things Da Vinci worked on, mm. what styles he used, and at what periods in his life. So you could say, make me an early Da Vinci of. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. would try to replicate a picture of that. These are, until recently, met with varying successes. You usually just count the number of fingers on a pair of hands to see if it's made by an AI or not. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. If it's got more than the normal amount <laughs> or less, then it's normally an AI. But they're getting around things like that. And you're, you're seeing pictures of um, Trump and other protesters being arrested and being hauled away by the police. Things yes, like I've this. Seen that. Yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. fake. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So there's that whole kind of what's real, what isn't real. Mm. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, that used to be the used to be i've got a picture of it so that's it you know yeah that's yeah. truth the proof yeah but that doesn't count anymore no because you, you could look at a picture and go oh i can take that that way or that way you can put a little spin on it if you need yeah. to yeah exactly but now you can't be sure that the image is real wow yeah. so, what is real it's a new it's a new layer isn't it yeah um, yeah. yeah so it's a bit like um the printing press i think but mm. on yeah. steroids um, and the printing press was was in many ways great for the church, related to the Reformation, yeah. Enlightenment, yes. things like this. But it also had some negative effects as well. That's so. a good question, isn't it? Then, how do you think we can use this for positive for the gospel? Yeah. Mm. Well, there, there are, answers there are, on a postcard. There are there are. Well, I saw it about six months ago. There was a study uh, on evangelism chatbots. And oh, it was, interesting. And it was like well, kind of like a proportion of people then went on to go to a real church hmm. or speak to a real person. Um, wow. But it didn't say what proportion of people were put off. No. Or didn't believe it was real. But you're like, well, mm. you know, if you could get an extra 10 people in your church mm. every month or every week by having this chatbot on your on your church website, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm. And especially if it's, you know, we talk about barriers, don't we? Just yeah. removing the barriers to faith. Mm. and Yeah. Um, Especially if you've got some great answers that are accessible and available at any time. I can see yeah. some value in that. Yeah, is, is it any different to making a series of YouTube videos yeah. answering questions if you actually just can load those answers into the chat button? Mm. So long as it's honest about what it is, I suppose, because you don't want yes. people feeling tricked. Yeah. No. That they haven't been talking to a real person. No. I, I am Pastor Andy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Edith. Yes. <laughs> They'll be like, he was very robotic. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah, that's Andy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, just, it's just his style, three points. And... <laughs> yeah, in fact, we had to turn that down on the chat bot, really. It was just too energetic. Yeah. All right. We need to, we need to uh, bring this into land at some point soon. But I would love us to end on an inspiring note because you've spoken with such passion about um, mm. discovery and exploration. So what, what discovery or innovation is inspiring you right now and why? Uh, I think it's it's that James Webb telescope that I mentioned before. Yeah. It is performing beyond anyone's expectations and it's still just getting warmed up, but it's making huge new discoveries. Like we're, we're realizing the stars and galaxies were forming in the universe much sooner. It's finding Ooh. loads of new chemical elements that we didn't think would be on these kind of exoplanets, but they're wow. there. Incredible. So even if there's no life there, there's like lots of weird stuff going on in them. It can take a picture of like Uranus or Neptune in about five minutes that previously would take Hubble hours to produce and still not get to the same standard. 
things things like the Hubble deep fuel views that used to take days to produce, it does it in an hour. So it's it's a magnificent machine, and just wow. the stuff it's sending back is like it's the tip of the iceberg so far. Mm. I think that is that is just making me go wow. Wow, that's good. Um, and then the the human genetic stuff, human genetic yeah. stuff. There's always something in the new news about that, like discovering about past species of humans, how diverse we used to be, mm, yeah. where we've crossed over, where we haven't. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely yeah. fascinating. It's just and a sense we, of wonder about how complex everything is. Yeah, and you go back 10, 20 years, and we both James Webb and the human genetic stuff is just beginning what we thought we might might see here. And the progress has been rapid, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Partly due to AI. <laughs> Partly, has, so we can, we can see some good in there, in there as well. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I don't want to, uh, you know, inspire the listeners too much more, um, but I was looking at uh, a picture from the James Webb for a long time. It turned out it was a piece of pepperoni. Um, <laughs> so it got me. Uh, yeah. Oh, so I think uh, I think we're, we're safer with five. you than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're safer with you than me. Yeah. And really um, dear listener, enjoy some wonderful images or a pizza, whichever you're fancying, maybe both. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us. If you're interested in any of the bits we've mentioned today, please do look up Christians in Science and Believing Science. The links to both are in the show notes. If you're part of a church and inspired to get involved with some science stuff, it is especially worth heading to the Believing Science website and even contacting Gavin through it. As for ourselves, you can get in touch with questions, comments and suggestions on Instagram at nowtheresathought or by email to nowtheresathought at c3gallery.church. They both look exactly like now Teresa Thought, but that's just a happy coincidence. If your name is Teresa and you'd like to help us live up to our Instagram handle, please get in touch for that too. We'll be back next month, so do follow us on your podcast app to get a notification. And don't forget to tell your friends if you enjoy the podcast, but not if you don't. That's no help.